0: Good morning, everybody. Um, it's great to see so many of you here with us today. So we arrived today at the third of our lost stories or parables that Jesus used to teach us some truths about himself and about his father. Dave spoke last week about the lost sheep and the lost coin, and for me, the overarching message at the end of it was that God is the God of the pursuit, that God is pursuing us all the time. So today we're going to move on to the story of the lost son. You may also know it as the prodigal son. So I'm just going to ask Dave now to come and read the story to us.
1: These uh, words are found in Luke chapter 15, starting at uh, verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But whilst he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come. He replied, And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never give give me even a, a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found.
0: Thanks, Dave. So, the lost son or the prodigal son? Even the name suggests that the focus should probably be on the son. After all, it's a story of a wayward son who squandered all his dad's wealth. And then when he came to his senses, he returned home to his dad, ready prepared with that sorry dad speech. Maybe Jesus was using the parable to explain to us something about what we're like. Maybe the focus was on the other son, on the older brother, someone who was jealous, who was bitter, critical, judgmental, Righteously angry. Maybe Jesus was wanting to point out those characteristic traits in us. In 2007, Dave and I attended a week's ministry school in Watford. It was led by an Anglican vicar by the name of Mark Stibby. and in that week we were exposed to knowing and experiencing and encountering the Father in a new and a fresh way. A way that we had never ever encountered before. And I think we would both testify that that week changed us. It changed us from the inside out. So what I'd like to do in this story is just for a few moments to actually focus on the father and to consider what this story is saying to us about the father. You see the father As Anne was saying when she talked about the painting by Rembrandt, the the father is actually the central character in this story. You see, the whole story revolves around the love of the father for his boys. The tragedy in the story is that both of the boys lived their lives as if that love wasn't there. The younger son saw his father as a way of satisfying his pleasures. There's no love in that. And the older son saw his father probably as a tough taskmaster rather than as a loving father. There's no love in that either. But the truth in the story is that the father loved his boys with all his heart. It was a constant love that never changed despite everything the boys said and did. We read these words in verse 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. That must have hurt so much. Under Jewish law, a child was to inherit the estate only upon the death of the father. You see, what the son was doing in asking for this inheritance is basically saying to his dad, you're as good as dead to me. In Numbers chapter 27, verses 8 to 11, it says these words, Say to the Israelites, if a man dies and leaves no son, turn his inheritance over to his daughter. If he has no daughter, give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father had no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan that he may possess it. This is to be a legal requirement for the Israelites as the Lord commanded Moses. Even though it hurt the father when the youngest son asked for the death inheritance whilst he was still alive. The father still gave it to him but he never stopped loving his son. What an absolute incredible dad. You see, there was absolutely no love in the request of the son to the father, but there was all the love in the world in the response of the father, even though he was under no obligation to respond positively to the younger son's request. In Jewish law, the eldest two th- son received two thirds of the inheritance upon the father's death, whilst the younger son, a third, In those days, wealth wasn't in bank accounts or property. It wasn't in stocks and shares. It was in the land. It was in livestock. And this inevitably brought about influence and reputation. So, in responding positively to the son's request, the actions of the father wouldn't have gone unnoticed by family, by friends, by neighbours, and by the community. But even with that knowledge, the father still responded positively to his son's request. And unless that action was motivated by love, then it makes no sense at all. It would be seen as totally irrational. And yet because of his love, because of his unconditional love, his actions begin to make total sense. Does that sound familiar? There, there's a song from Hillsong that was written in 1996, which says these words, nothing you can do could make him love you more, and nothing that you've done could make him close the door. Our Father God is a loving God who continues to love and love and love, and love. So that's our our first point today from the story of the prodigal son, that the father loves. We're going to skip ahead now to verse 20. And it says this, but while he, talking about the son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, as most of you know, Dave and I have two sons. And I absolutely love my boys to bits. But there were times when they were growing up when I said those words which seemed to pass every parent's lips. Oh, for goodness sake, grow up. And I'm pleased to say that now they're 25 and 22, I don't have to say that any longer. Um, They are now adults and they, they have grown up. Now, in our story, we are told that the younger son went away for, well, we don't know how long it was for. He certainly didn't stay local. It tells us he went to another country. And if we think about the time he was away, he had time to squander all his money. He had time to find a job looking after pigs, which, as an aside, are considered dirty by the Jews. So probably makes his predicament even more desperate. He came to his senses, he prepared his homecoming speech to his dad, and then he went back home. So I think we can surmise that it was a considerable amount of time that he was away. But the father never, ever gave up hope on his son. It tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, love always hopes. When the, father, when the son returned home, No one else in that household saw him except the father. He saw him when he was a long way off. And we aren't actually told this, but in my imagination, I can see the father every day looking out, watching for his son's return, hoping because of love. We sing a song very familiar, your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Do we really, really believe that? Because if we believe that, then there's no room for those thoughts that say, I'm rubbish, I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. God doesn't love me. I've gone and mucked up again. Let me tell you those words again from that song. Nothing you can do could make him love you more. And nothing that you've done could make him close the door. Our second point is that our father forgives. He is a forgiving father who never, ever gives up on you. And finally, we're going to look at verse 22, which says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We said at the beginning that most people have tended to focus on the son and his sins. But Jesus' focus was very much on the father and his love. And he was using this story to tell us about God the Father and his love. When the boy in the story returned home, he received three gifts. He received sandals, a robe, and a ring. And whilst those may seem insignificant, when we actually look at the meaning and the significance of them, what they show us is that the son was not only welcomed home, he was restored to that place of being a son. You see, the sandals were never worn by servants, But we know from the story that the intention of the son was to go home and to ask his father to make him like one of his hired men, like one of his servants. But by placing the sandals on his feet, the father was reinstating his son to that role of sonship. He put a robe around his son's dirty body, covering his ragged clothes. But it also covered the son's shame. It was the father's way of saying, son, I'm wiping the slate clean. You, my boy, are totally pardoned for all you have done. And then there was the ring. Something personal, something precious, something of worth. It may have been the family signet ring which was given to a son or a daughter to signify their position within the family. And it not only signified position but also power and authority. Wearing this ring gave the child the right to give orders in his or her father's house. This was the father's way of saying, you are restored to the position as my son with all the rights and the privileges that this entails. But with all these gifts, there were no terms. There were no conditions attached to them. It was totally undeserved and 100% free. So our third point is that the father gives the father loves the father forgives the father gives so what does that mean for us today in Hampshire in Basingstoke in 2021 the father who loves the father who forgives the father who gives this is the father we've all been waiting for. He is the father who loves on us like no earthly father is capable of. My dad is an incredible dad. Dave is an amazing dad to my boys, but they are nothing like my heavenly father. If you're listening to this today, and you're not a Christian, You need to know that this God, this Heavenly Father is pursuing you and he's longing for you to respond to him. He loves you, full stop. No conditions, no terms, he absolutely loves you, full stop. And his desire is for you to come into a relationship with him. If you're already a Christian, you may have come to the cross and you have known God's forgiveness. But perhaps you've never taken that step of fully enjoying your position as a son or a daughter. There's something that's holding you back, it may be a a mentality, it may be what I term stinking thinking of I'm not good enough. God longs for us to know him as Abba, as father, as dad, as daddy. And all we need to know is to get to know the son the Son, Jesus, who introduces us to his Father. And then we can live as a son or a daughter, not as a slave or an orphan. To to close, I'd like to tell you a true story that sums up beautifully what we've been talking about. A couple in America had adopted their son, and... As part of the process, they went to a law court where the judge sat before them. The judge read them the requirements for adoption in the strongest possible terms. The couple record how nervous they felt as the judge spoke in such a grave and a sombre way. Then he asked them, do you want me to sign these adoption papers so you can adopt your son? The couple looked at each other and said, yes, yes. That moment, the judge stepped down from his high position. He walked towards them and he placed the paper on the table where the couple was sitting. And before he signed the certificate, he looked at them and said with tears in his eyes, this is the best decision you could possibly make. And I know that because I am also a dad who adopted a child. And although there have been difficult times, I don't regret that decision for a moment. The judge became a dad. Let's come out of the law court. Let's come into the living room with our dad, wearing our sandals, our robe and our ring. And let's get to know our father. Let me just pray. Father, we thank you that you are the perfect dad. Thank you that your desire is that we would know you in that intimate relationship between a son and a father, a daughter and a father. And we thank you that through this story in your word, we can understand more about you as the perfect father. Help us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit to put aside all those thoughts of, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve this, I've mucked up. And instead, will you come and speak to our hearts and reassure us of how much you love us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.